In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I think a lot of us come to church with a question that was originally asked by the famous 20th century theologian Mel Blanc, who you might know better as the voice of Bugs Bunny. Maybe we should have made that left turn at Albuquerque. Maybe we should have made that left turn at Albuquerque. It's funny when he says it. You notice I didn't even try the accent. But I think some version of that question is what a lot of us lay awake at night thinking about. No. We don't have a city in New Mexico in mind, and maybe some of you do. What if I had done something different in that situation? What if I had taken the left turn rather than the right? Would I still feel like this if I had? Would that relationship have lasted if I had did this differently or that differently? Would I be struggling financially if I had chosen that job offer instead of this one? And I think tragically, some of us, the questions are life and death. If I had done this differently, would this person who I love still be alive? Once you, you reach a certain age, and I would suggest it's younger than you think, regrets are unavoidable. Second guessing is unavoidable. We all have situations that we wonder, or maybe we just know, ah, I made a mistake. I made a mistake had consequences that changed my life. And if you're like me, sometimes in the middle of the night, you lay awake thinking about that. Or maybe not in the middle of the night, maybe it's when you turn up to church or when you go to a certain place. These questions cross your mind. Friends, the good news of God in Jesus Christ is that our regrets no longer define us. Our mistakes no longer define us. Even our self-inflicted wounds, things that we did and regret because we know they were wrong, even those things no longer define us. I had a professor of liturgy in seminary who was, we'll say, a very colorful character. Very colorful. And he liked to tell liturgy jokes. 
church jokes. So all of the church nerds in the house will have a church joke this morning. Did you know that every denomination has an 11th commandment? There's the Ten Commandments, but every denomination adds the 11th commandment. Anybody want to guess what the Episcopal Church's 11th commandment is? Thou shalt not be tacky. <laughs> and another denomination, which shall remain nameless, Professor Klukas said the 11th commandment in this denomination was, edited slightly for the pulpit, it's all your own fault anyway. That is not good news. And it is not what we proclaim in this denomination. It's probably not what they proclaim in that one either. Paul, in the second reading today, says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, because of that peace which comes about through the life and ministry of Jesus, through the way that he responds to the will of God for the world, and through the way he dies on the cross, all of our lives become places where we meet God's grace, even in our mistakes, even in our regrets, even in our sins. Whether or not we took the left turn or the right turn at Albuquerque, we have peace with God in Jesus. For while we were still weak, Paul says, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. That's not just the obviously ungodly, the people that attract attention and you think, oh, hideous. Not that, we, not that we do that. My kids were watching The Hunchback of Notre Dame the other day. Not the obviously ungodly, but the truth of the gospel is that all of us are ungodly, even now. It's not that Jesus died for us while we're ungodly, and then after a reasonable amount of time when we can get our lives together, then we get to a place where we don't need it anymore. No! While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for sinners, that is us. And why did God do it? Because even though we're sinners, even though we make mistakes, even though we have regrets, we are loved. We belong to God. Our mistakes have been reconciled, Paul says. That means made right before God through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Our mistakes are fixed, and we are loved and forgiven. Not because we deserved it, not because we went to church to make it right, not because we deserve it now, but because God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to save us with his life and in his death. 
There is hardly any privilege greater as a priest to, on occasion, hear uh, an individual's private confession of something that they've done wrong. And you may think, wait, we do that? Actually, yes, it's in the prayer book. You can set up an appointment at any time to have a confession with the priest. Um, and at the end of that confession, the priest says, knowing what you have said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I absolve you of all your sins. And that means they are gone. They are gone. I tell people often that not only is the seal of the confessional absolute, meaning I can't talk about it ever to anyone, I won't even acknowledge it to you later on. And that is because it literally no longer exists because of the death of Jesus. It has gone away. That is what we mean when we say the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus, regrets and mistakes and suffering become a place for God's grace to meet us in our lives. And that grace often shows up through other people. I'm preparing four couples for marriage this late winter and early spring. And I say to them that I think one of the hardest things about being married, at least for me, is knowing that this other person knows me so well and knows how flawed I am, often. Knows the mistakes that I make, and not just one-offs, but again and again, and forgives me anyway. That forgiveness is an incarnation of God's grace to me. And it, of course, extends well beyond marriage. We might get this from anyone that we know well, from a child, from a parent, from a trusted friend. We live with people and we give and receive forgiveness, and in it, we see what God's love is like for us, at least in shadow. Others of us in this congregation have been dealing lately with the problems related to aging, with suffering and pain and medical difficulties. And one of the hardest things about getting older, I think, I obviously don't yet have personal experience in this, but I have many reports, is the loss of independence that goes with that. You're used to doing things for yourself, and suddenly you can't do for yourself what you used to do anymore. It's very difficult, very hard on people. And yet, it's also an opportunity to see in the care that people give to you in those circumstances the care that God gives us. When people exercise spiritual gifts to care for us, whether they call them that or not, God's grace is made real. 
be in making a meal for someone in the parish. It could be because you're a medical professional who cares for people in what would be called conventionally a non-religious sense. And yet, God's grace turns up anyway. And so, dear people of God, this Lent, those moments when we lie awake, 3 a.m., those moments where our inner voice is asking whether or not we should have made that left turn at Albuquerque, asking whether we could have or should have done something different, asking whether this suffering is punishment for something that we have done. Please know we have been made right with God and have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news of that is that it is Jesus' life and death now that defines us, that defines all of our mistakes, all of our regrets, all of our suffering and takes it up into God's economy to transform it. So that every place where we have regrets becomes a place where we are met by the grace and love of God.